Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Shit, it's episode number 62 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man, live from the Cinepocalypse Film Festival in Chicago, Illinois. Woo! I'm Doug Tilly, and with me, as per usual, is the Scatman himself, Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing today, Liam? I'm really great. Hi, everybody. Liam, how fucking weird has the last 24 hours been for you? Uh, pretty insane, actually. I'll go ahead and say it's crazy. Um, people may not know this, though we have recorded 42 episodes together. Well, this is number 62, and yes, I think because Liam didn't start with me. I'm a poser, I'm sorry. He's a poser, so it actually means that there's a quite a few Eric Roberts projects you haven't seen. No, I went, and watched, I went back. I went back and caught up. I know. So, but me and Doug have actually never met before. This is our first time meeting each other. And I got to say, you're too goddamn tall. That's very true. <laughs> I don't know who said that, but I bet they're awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, Liam and I, we, uh, we've been recording for a couple of years now. Yep. Uh, we started an Eric Roberts podcast because we thought it would be the most ludicrous thing we could do. And it turns out, uh, if you just do it long enough, Eric Roberts will actually just show up. Yeah, it's crazy. It's actually been pretty amazing. Do you remember, so... Um, uh, this podcast sort of came from the prolific career, you know, being inspired by how much Eric Roberts has done. But when you asked me to do this podcast, we had a discussion. And one of the things I asked you was, well, would you ever try to have Eric Roberts on the podcast? Is I said, that a thing? Liam, are you out of your mind? Of course that's not going to happen. And also, Liam, shut up. Ugh. Our guest today is an Academy Award and Golden Globe nominated actor who has appeared in over 400 films over an absurdly prolific 40-year career. You can also find him on Twitter, at Eric Roberts, all one word. It's the fucking man himself, Eric Roberts. I have a very funny story right away. I'm like, I'm like standing behind the curtain, you know, watching my highlights, and, uh, and, 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 I, and I see everybody can like see me. So I close the curtain, only to look down and see that I'm exposed from here down. <laughs> it was really funny. Hey guys, good to see you. Hi, hi everybody. And yes, I drink dessert coffee from Starbucks. What a thrill this must be for you, Eric Roberts. <laughs> Thank you, it is. What a cool theater, huh? This place is amazing. It's, a, it's amazing. The Eric Roberts Theater. <laughs> I mean, we can petition. I don't know if that's, I don't know what the process is on that or who we talk to. How weird is it to think that there's a podcast that's run 61 episodes that is specifically devoted to you and your career. That I didn't find out about for the, uh, the first 60 episodes. Well, we tried, <laughs> we tried to keep it a secret. I mean, frankly, we were a little frightened that this might have been a potentiality. I love the t-shirt, except for one thing. Mm -hmm. Uh-oh. We actresses <clears throat> have to watch our diets, our entire careers. We never get to eat what we want, because if, if you ever expose your body and, and you look okay, they will ask you to expose your body every week. Take off your shirt all the time. So you, have to, so you have to not eat all the time or have these all the time, right? And uh, you guys made me look fat on my T-shirt. No, no. Come on. Double no. chin, triple chin. I don't have those. Liam, the first time I saw that picture, I swear I said to you, it seems like a couple extra lines on that chin. You know what? I will find the artist and, and make him suffer. Oh, no, don't, don't hurt anybody's feelings. Oh, well, we're going to hurt some feelings, Eric. Eric, when we have a guest on our show, we usually ask them, what their favorite Eric Roberts performance is. Now, that's going to be really weird because you're Eric Roberts. Well, you know, since I have so many film appearances, oh, yes. I've got a lot of favorites. Oh. 
Yeah, I do. I can do. you do a top 10? I can do a top 10. Oh, wow. My first King of the Gypsies. One that nobody ever shows that you guys showed a clip from Paul's case. I love that movie. Oh, this is, this is going to be very fortuitous because Liam has a question about Paul's case. Oh, that's such a cool movie. Okay, King of the Gypsies, Paul's case, It's My Party, Love is a Gun, Runaway Train, Purgatory. Um, Papa Greenwich Village. <laughs> uh, Coca-Cola Kid. Um, Love is a Gun. Yeah. Okay. There you go. That's good. I wasn't counting. That sounded like at least 10 to me. Yeah. I'm sure. 10 to 400 and plus. I think that's not bad at all. Uh, but so you would suggest to everyone here that King of Gypsies is the movie that everybody needs to see. That is the key Eric Roberts performance. It's amongst them yeah. because uh, that was an incredible cast and I was the only rookie and I was scared every day. But everybody was good to me. Um, Brooke Shields played my baby sister. She acted like an older sister on the set with me. Just, I, I just do what I do. And uh, uh, Susan... Surrender played my mother. She was very gracious and wonderful, about eight years older than I am as my mother. And um, uh, Sterling Hayden played my grandfather, the coolest guy I ever met on a movie set. And Shelley Winters played my grandmother. And Shelley told me, if I were 100 pounds lighter and 30 years younger, we'd be rocking your trailer. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, she amazing. Yeah, she was cool. One thing, um, we had a good friend of the show, um, Will Harris from the AV Club, he did a random roles with you a few years ago where he asked you about your career. You told a story there about when you were uh, working on Another World or some soap operas at the beginning of your career, and that ended uh, in a kind of, <laughs> in a manner which may not have been your choice. Can you tell us a little bit about that? They fired me. Yes, well, there you go. <laughs> It's so depressing to get fired. Has anybody here been fired? Oh. Is there anything worse than being fired? I mean, it's even worse than having a girl dump you, because at least there are her friends who think you're cute, you know? But, but, but you know, with, with a job, it's like suddenly it's like the end of the world. You're like, you know, the earth is flat. You're at the end of it. Oh, my God, it's so awful. Yeah, um, I, was, I was called into the uh, producer's office after I've been on the show for about two months. And he calls me in, and I was warned by the other actors, oh boy, you're in trouble. I said, no, I haven't done anything. You're in trouble, you're going to the producer's office. I, I, but I wasn't really worried. I walk in there, hey, Paul, hey, Eric, have a seat. Are you a writer, he says to me. No, no, I'm not, I'm an actor, you know that. Yeah, why are you rewriting your dialogue? Oh, because my dialogue, I mean, I'm 18 at the time, because uh, my dialogue sucks. <laughs> That's weird that he wasn't into that. And I thought that was an okay thing to say. Oh, such a country bumpkin. Anyway, so uh, he says, well, I pay people top dollar to write your stuff that sucks. And it's going to stay sucks like they write it, not like you unwrite it. And if you do it again, I'll fire you. Wow, that's kind of abrasive. Okay, you know, okay. So I behave for about a month, you know, saying stuff like, oh, really? Is that all? You know. So I changed stuff to, really? Not likely. Okay, I'm called into the office again, and I'm told I'm fired. Is this the story you wanted me to tell? This is the story. I wanted to hear about Eric Roberts getting, getting fired because I, my understanding is that when you returned to do some work on soap operas a couple of years ago, that maybe some of the people involved with that were still there. Well, the head boss was still there. Anyway, jump cut 20 whatever it is eight years later, <laughs> he calls me up and his ratings are failing. Will I come do a show for him? So I did. It was still just Gracious. as hard as it ever was. I hate soap opera work. It's so hard. You have to learn like, uh, like 30 pages in half an hour, and go work. It's hard. Sorry, Liam? I was going to say, as you know, um, the clip started with that speech that really is the inspiration for our podcast, where we get our name from. And I had to ask, before we jump into the Roberts Report, I had to ask you a question. 
What was that experience like? You had no idea, I'm assuming that... Well, here's what's strange about that evening. Uh, I heard that uh, Mickey got, got, got nominated for, what was that award? For the I, Independent Spirit Award, Independent I think? Spirit I, Award. I have to say, I thought of this question right now. Which is a independent film yeah. award. I heard he got nominated as, like, as a best actor for The Wrestler, right? Yeah. I, I heard about it. Oh, cool. I sent him a, um, a, a telegram, because I love Mick. Congratulations. Here, you're winning, you know, Charlie Shane. Ah. And uh, uh, he writes back, he says, no, you have to come to the award ceremony when it happens. Okay, it, it's like months away. Okay, sure, I'll be there. I don't know, I'll be there. Okay, the weekend you know, before the award shows up, and he calls my wife, who's also my boss, my manager, and uh, he, he calls her up and he goes, is Eric going to be at the awards? And she goes, no. She goes, well, tell him he's got to be there. He can't not be there. You have to go, Eric. He, you know, okay, why? Apparently, he really thought he was going to win. <laughs> and if he won, he was going to say those, uh, those nice things about me. So he wanted me there. But as soon as he said my name at his, at his speech, I panicked because I know Mickey. You know, you never know what's going to come out of that mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and you honestly don't know. I mean, he, he's, he's the nicest guy on the planet, and he will say the dumbest stuff. So, so you know, you have to avoid it. Oh, no, he's talking about me, duck! You know? And, uh, and uh, so, so he said, Eric Roberts, and I ducked. I literally ducked. Oh, my God, here we go. But um, it was all good. Who, who knew? I have one question that's been weighing on me for a little while. The end of that video package ends with a clip from a movie you were in called The Alternate, an action movie from a few years back. A great movie, if you haven't seen it. It's actually, if you want to see Eric Roberts do a lot of, a variety of, a, of action uh, work, it's de definitely in that movie. At the very end of the movie, you, the president asks you what to call you, and you say that you're The Replacement. Was that movie originally called The Replacement? Obviously, you know the story, and I don't. I, it's no, not, it's we not. don't. This is literally, it, it just seems like it's, it's very interesting to end on this huge note. It's like all building up, who are you this whole time? I'm the replacement, but the movie is called The Alternate. It just seemed a little strange. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. It was originally called The Replacement, and uh, that's, that's the joke about it that I should turn and say, and they, they should have it be dubbed with, like, with like bad looping. <laughs> Replacement, you know, but no, it didn't, yeah. I'm so glad we were right about that, because for half a second, I thought you were going to be like, no, it's the alternate. I was yeah. going to be like, oh, no. You're ridiculous, sorry. He's absolutely right about it. Well, we ha now get to a regular segment of our show where we need to go over the latest Eric Roberts news on The Roberts Report. It's the Roberts Report for episode number 62 of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. And as per usual, we start with a deep dive on the man's Twitter feed. You can, of course, follow Eric Roberts on Twitter at twitter.com slash Eric Roberts, all one word. Eric, you might remember some of this. Just a few days back, you were commenting on the television show Jimmy Kimmel, and you said, we don't like the we ate all your candy thing. It's super mean. Traumatic, actually. Practical jokes on kids? Come on, guys. For those who don't know, Jimmy Kimmel has a segment where he gets parents on the day after Halloween to tell their children that they've eaten all their candy, uh, and then the children cry. It's actually very sad to watch, but also funny, depending on your point of view. But Eric, you had some strong feelings on that. No, no, no. No? <laughs> no, I gotta tell you, when I... <laughs> It, I there's a number of exclamation so points here. No, see, here, here's the thing. I have a wife. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I have a wife who's kind of a mortal saint. She really is. So, but it's, a, it's all real. She is this kind of person. Like, she can't watch violence on TV. Like, she can't see any of my movies. And, uh, and she, she has, a, has a real violence phobia. So, so, so I'm watching this Jimmy Kimmel thing, and, it's, and I start laughing my ass off. Because, you know, I'm, 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 I'm kind of, you know, moderately, calmly ill-tempered anyway. So I think it's very funny. I'm laughing and laughing, and I'm on the floor, kicking my feet, having a great time. And she says to me, your reaction should be the exact opposite. <laughs> I'm going to go on Twitter as you and say the exact opposite. Wait, how... So I said, be my guest. Nobody's going to believe it. And she did, and everybody believed it. 
how how often is she going on Twitter as this you? This is my question. No, no. She only does that when I had those kind of reactions that really upset her. Like, I thought that was so funny. I could not stop laughing. I'm howling at the TV, patting the TV on the back. Thank you, you know. And she's she's like, you know, she won't have it. Now, you're a pretty prolific Twitter user. I mean, compared to a lot of actors. Well, I'm going to tell you guys all here something, so don't tell everybody because then we'll get out. But here's the thing. I have assistants, and everything is checked with me. No, nothing get, gets out without my okay. But they go, is it okay if we respond to someone, someone say yes or no, or yes or no, or maybe? And I say, yeah, respond to someone, so I say yes or no, or maybe. So, so it's, uh, it's all me, but I don't do it. I don't have the time. I just say yes, no, yes, no, don't do that, do that. Yeah, right, thank you, bye. Click, that's what I do. So there, there's a filter in between that brain and the, theoretically the information that's going out into the world. And I know my assistants, they check with the wife. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm glad they do, believe me. Yeah. Well, you also tweeted... On Halloween, you mentioned the television show Law & Order, NBC Law & Order. It's airing in a timely fashion. Let's break the habit of jailing the wrong people. The Menendez parents were monsters. Do you watch a lot of television, Eric? Mm, yeah, no, no. No? But, but you yeah, enjoy certain things that you want to send that message out into the world. Look, abuse begets abuse. Mm -hmm. That's really all there is to it. That's all I'm saying. And when you abuse people, they're going to abuse people. And they're going to end up abusing you sometimes in retaliation. That's what happened there. And uh, everybody was wrong. Everybody was wrong. But, you know, but two wrongs don't make a right. It's awful. But if you're going to do that to people, expect to get shot in bed. Oh. <laughs> that was so A message safe. to take home with you tonight. <laughs> Keep that in mind. Wisdom. You, you know, Eric, usually at this point, in the news, we would talk about some of the upcoming Eric Roberts projects, but with so many of them, it can be a little difficult uh, to kind of cover everything that's coming out. I just wanted to throw a couple at you, a few films that are coming out, just to get your quick thoughts. Uh, the first is a film called Victory by Submission. It's a faith-based MMA film uh, directed by Alan Autry, the, the wonderful actor, uh, and featuring some classic tough guy actors like uh, Lee Majors and Fred the Hammer Williamson is in it. You've done some faith-based movies in the past. Has there ever been, have you ever felt conflicted regarding your own ideology, whether that might uh, be at odds with some of the material in these movies? Entertainment like palettes comes in many, many different flavors. And if you don't accept them all, you can't accept any of them. Except if it hurts somebody's feelings or their understanding. If it hurts those or, it, or, it, or like twists those, it's not good. You can't have that. But, uh, and, uh, I like faith-based because it's sweet, it's kind, it's understanding, and we all have a need for a home, and that's, that's a gathering place for us. Can't beat it, come on. Makes sense to me. Now, it, have you ever had to turn down a role because you were just a little concerned about maybe that kind of meanness that's built into the... You obviously don't pay attention. I turned down nothing. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what happens behind the scenes. We have our suspicions, but... <laughs> that's not true, by the way. <laughs> Uh, uh, changing, uh, <laughs> changing direction slightly, 2017's... That was funny. <laughs> 2017's Fatties Take Down the House, which is described as a cross between Animal House and the Revenge of the Nerds franchise. Now, I don't think a lot of people think of you necessarily as a comedic actor, but are those roles that you particularly enjoy? <laughs> Look, I think of you as a comedic actor. I've seen it all. Well, most of it. A surprisingly large amount. But do you enjoy doing comedy? Is that something that you would like to do more of? I just do whatever's fun to do. If it <laughs> happens to, to be a drama or a comedy or a dramedy, whatever it is, sure. as long as it's fun to do, I'm there. You know? And in, in fact, in the early days, it was always a big deal how I would say yes to a part. Had to be this kind of thing or this kind of thing or this kind of thing or this kind of thing. And now I say, where's the location? <laughs> mm -hmm. And they say so. And so, great, I'll be there. You know? Actually, on that note, you did a, a film in Nigeria recently, is that correct? Uh, <laughs> oh, no. You know, when you're, when you're, we're talking about Nigeria, you're, my wife would be mad. You're not supposed to say things if you don't have nice things to say, okay? <laughs> so, forget that for a second. Lagos, Nigeria. Lagos, Nigeria is the capital hub of West Africa. It's like a happening spot. 
It wasn't what you were hoping for. It's awful. And I, I say, I won't say why, because I'll hurt somebody's feelings, but it's just awful. It's unkept and uncool and unclean. And, uh, and I say, you know, trying to have conversation. So, so where are the nice neighborhoods? <laughs> we're in one. No, honestly, that was a conversation. I'm like, oh, yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. I'm lying. Awful. Awful. And spooky because, because uh, everybody looks very desperate and slightly panicked. So you're like, oh, are they panicked because they see me? You know? It's, 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 I don't recommend Lagos. Mm. No. I recommend everywhere. I love <laughs> traveling. I, I don't recommend Lagos. Yeah. Uh, we're going to go through a few of your uh, more... I guess more recognizable roles to some people, but we're also going to go a little obscure here. But I wanted to start, actually, Liam, you mentioned Paul's Case before. Actually. Yeah, you, you, you mentioned it was one of your favorites, and Paul's Case is one of those movies that I don't think a lot of people have seen, I don't hear about it a lot, but I feel, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it, that Paul's Case is one of the characters that, um, one of the type of characters that you kind of excel at, someone who there's a lot that is sympathetic, but there's a lot that is difficult, um, I, in fact, it, it in some ways is very different from, but also similar to some of what is going on in Star 80, like these, these characters that you see something about them, but it's also sad or it's difficult. Or So I just kind of wanted to ask that is like, is Paul's case the beginning of that sort of realm of you portraying these, these uh, problematic but sympathetic characters? Well, there's, there's, an, there's, um, there's a strong similarity in uh, the kinds of people I play because they're, they're walking tragedies. Because when I played the first like, you know, couple well, they wanted me to play them a lot. So, and a lot of those people don't end up doing you know, good things because they dislike themselves. So, so they dislike the world around them because you know, they feel the world around them has made them dislike themselves. And it's a constant circle of self-abuse, and it finally reaches out and, and it, uh, it abuses other people. Well, I was raised by these kinds of people, so I understand these kinds of people. So I understand where I have to go to play them. So I play them well. And I don't like, like with Paul Snyder, for instance, in like Star 80, he did a horrible thing. And he was a dislikable guy in the fact that he liked himself too externally too much. And he, you know, with his with his tight pants and and his open shirts and his jewelry and his and his you know very clipped mustache blah blah blah, he looked kind of joke like even in his time which was a joke like time fashion wise but he was still he was still not um, but uh, what's, um, what was your question? What was that question again, Liam? <laughs> well, I I think you you kind of answered it was that you're able to connect to something personal for a character, like, again, for... Uh... Yeah, yeah, here's what it is. When you, when, you, when you play those kind of guys, you cannot play the result because what they, what they do in the end of their lives is almost always a waste of all of our time and efforts, and especially theirs. But, uh, but uh, uh, they didn't know it, and those kind of bad guys don't know they're bad guys. In fact, they think the opposite. They're only bad guys because of the circumstance you put me in. I, I didn't cause the circumstance. You caused it for me, so I had to act badly. It was your fault, and that's how they are. Once again, not to reiterate, but just to make it clear, I, I was raised by those kinds of people. I understand those kinds of people. I also have, have incredible empathy, not sympathy, but empathy. I understand those kinds of people. I do not feel sorry for them. I resent them horribly. <laughs> but I can play them, and I enjoy playing them because I don't play a result. And that's where actors are always not quite great, is they play results, even if they play them well. A result is an exhale. It's not the breath of life. And that's the, oh, I'm understanding this person. That's, that's when you're breathing in. When you exhale, okay, I understand. That's a whole. That's that's playing a result. No, don't play the result. Play the journey. That's what's fun. Switching gears slightly, you've worked with David Dakota. Uh, from my my uh, calculations, what a great guy! Twelve times, I think he's uh, directed. Twelve times, a great guy. <laughs> <laughs> I think of David Dakota as the Eric Roberts of directing, in that he seems to just be. He must love it. He does it constantly. Oh, well, we love each other so much. We're, we're, I mean, you, I think you first uh, worked together on Wolves of Wall Street. How did that relationship begin? 
I, he just he just sent me a script. You want to do it? And uh, I said no. So he like he like sent me his whole life story. <laughs> <laughs> and so I said yes. And then he and I worked together, and we just fell in love. I mean, you you uh, you fall in love with people who you work with, like your family, because because they expose themselves so much in this process. You know that you understand what they are and who they are and why they are, and they're fun or they're not. And he's just a magnificent human. And he's kind, he's good, he's smart, he's sweet, he's giving, he's empathetic, he's sympathetic, he's intelligent, and uh, he's funny. I like funny people. So if he calls you up and says, Eric, I need you... I don't even have to read it, I'll just show oh, up. Oh, that, that shows, but also, and that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, a couple of times, it's like, what are we doing? Okay. You did a movie called Bigfoot versus D.B. Cooper. You don't have to talk about it. <laughs> uh, we did have a clip in the opening from A Talking Cat, which I'm sure some of the folks here have seen. There is a persistent rumor. I just want to put an end to this rumor. This don't hurt my feelings. No, no, no. Look, hey, they love it. You all love A Talking Cat. You love the work of David Dakota. A new cult classic. There's a persistent rumor that the lines for that were recorded in a bathroom. Can you confirm or deny that? 100% true. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that makes me so yeah, happy. We, we, we looped that movie at a guy's house, and the bathroom had the best acoustics. Mm -hmm. There we are. Obviously the best acoustics, right? I'm in the shower. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you've also worked with a... I'm from Canada, lucky me, and you've spent a lot of time in Canada in the I past. shot, I don't know, maybe 50 movies in Canada. Well, that's actually a very small percentage of your career when you think about it. <laughs> don't hurt my feelings. <laughs> You've worked three times with a Canadian director named Frank D'Angelo. What a great cat. Now, he has like all-star casts for his movies. For, for, for those who don't know Frank, uh, he's sort of a Canadian legend, or at least an Ontario legend. He was an energy drink magnate. Uh, he, usually about once a year, he'll put together a cast of well-known actors and uh, make a movie starring himself. They're very unique, uh, Sicilian vampire. Whenever he like cashes in his, uh, his uh uh, uh, what, do you, what do you call it? The uh, the money uh, that you that you make off of money. Money that you make off of money, like the investment money. No, uh, the uh, percentage. What's it called? Uh, you know. Oh, I don't know. I don't have anyway, any money. When, so. Whenever his when we he, get money, we'll figure it out. Whenever <laughs> his uh, his return comes from his like billions, he makes movies. Okay, I got my eight hundred million. To sure. Make some movies. He, he's a rich cat. Yeah. Who's who spends his money? Uh, what is that? A lot set? of rich cats don't. What is that set like? I mean, he is in charge of everything. He's acting. He's he's. It's always writing. very pleasant. It's always like uh, like being at home. Right. It's always very pleasant, very likable. He always has a very relaxed situation, and uh, and he's always got his whole family there, and everybody's always cool, and everybody's always relaxed, and it's great um, great snacks. <laughs> Does he sing much on set? I know he, he has recordings and he's sort of an accomplished singer. Does he get to do that much on set? I think that would be inappropriate. Oh, okay. That, that doesn't seem so are you happy? <laughs> Let's have lunch. No, no, he doesn't do that. No. Have you ever been to his restaurant? I have probably, but I don't remember right now. So cut that out of the interview. <laughs> <laughs> and edit. Okay, good. Yeah, um, I wanted to... Uh, Ask a little bit about you. I mean, Mickey work already came up earlier, and I think um, your performance with him in Poker Grand Village is very visceral and intense. And I just wanted to know: was that um, was that the beginning of what seems like a friendship between the two of you that's lasted a we, long time? We have a very strong friendship, and that was the beginning of it. And uh, but here's what happened. Here's a here's a story for you. Um, I get off that role in January of that year. We started shooting in September. I get off the road in January. I'm up at uh, Hartford doing a um, Tennessee Williams, you know, you know, nostalgic thing, doing a glass menagerie. He, he had just died. And I get offered this thing called the Pueblo Grange Village. And I'm told by the producers, Cock and Kirchwood, okay, Eric, it's your movie. You can play Charlie or you can play Polly. Pick your part. I want to cast somebody else the other parts. Now, James Conn and Al Pacino had been scheduled to, to do this movie a year earlier, but they couldn't come to terms with who was going to have top billing. And we both held out, so it fell apart. So now it's me. So I pick Polly, and they say, we wanted you to pick Charlie. And I said, why? And they said, because he's kind of, a, kind of an all-American stand-up handsome guy and blah, blah, blah. And Polly's a big oof dumbass, you know. 
I said, yeah, but I'm not going to play Polly like that. And he said, well, what do you mean? I said, I'm going to play him kind of a mama's boy who wants to be a tough guy, because that's what most of you guys are anyway. And, and, so, and so they're like, okay, that's cool. Okay, bam. So I spent eight months in dropping weight. I dropped 30 pounds over eight months, and I permed my hair. And we get five days of rehearsal, you know, you know, you know before we start to shoot. And so I meet Mickey and blah, blah, and we're hanging out. And after our third rehearsal, the then director, who I will leave nameless because he lost his job, he asked me to stay afterwards and talk to him. So I do. What's up, dude? What's up? He goes, why are you so skinny? I said, I want to be a walking spaz attack. He goes, hmm, you permed your hair. Why? I said, same thing, walking spaz attack. He mm-hmm. says, what the? It's a walking spaz attack. <laughs> and I said, um, it's a John Belushi only skinny. He goes, I can't have that. I said, what do you mean? He goes, this guy's a tough thug, and you're playing somebody gay. I said, no, I'm not. But but I'm not going to play it as it's written because that's been done 10,000 times. I've done it 40 times. I'm not playing that. I'm playing this. He says, Eric, we disagree on your interpretation. I'd like you to resign. Wow, now I've been prepping this role for eight months. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> but I say, like, well, let me think about it, and I'll get back to you. Okay. I walk around the hotel one time thinking, what do I do? This guy wants me to quit. I love this part. I love the idea of what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it differently from how it's, how it's written, blah, blah, blah. What am I going to do? I'll go ask Mickey. So I go up to, uh, to Mickey's room. I knock on his door. What's happening, Ace? Hey, Mick. Um, so... Um, the producer, the, uh, the director, just asked me to resign. What? Let's call the producers. <laughs> so we get on the phone and we call the producers from Mickey's room. We tell them the story, how he doesn't like my interpretation of my character and wants me to quit. Um, they fire him. And they're bringing in Stuart Rosenberg, who made a great movie, as we all know. Yeah. And what was the point of that story? I think we hit it. Yeah. Eric, there's a scene in that movie where you make the biggest goddamn sandwich I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> uh, was that... <laughs> obviously, there, that is, it's leading up to that part in the movie, but how many times did you have to make that sandwich? Only twice, okay. and that was all the director. Oh, yeah? It was in the script that we ate. It was not scripted that I made the biggest submarine sandwich in the world. It was not in the script, but the, uh, the, uh, the director said, do this like this, like this, like this, go. And I did it. It was funny. (laughs) (laughs) I want to ask you about a movie, too, that I I don't hear as much about, but we we talked about it a little bit before the beginning. Um, Can you talk a little bit about La Cucaracha and the experience of making that? Because that, uh, you know, as as you all know, we watch a lot of Eric Roberts' projects. We do? For this. And that was one of those films that I didn't know. Tell me the director's name. I'm blank. Jack Perez. Jack Perez. Oh, God. Yes. And I, that was one I didn't know anything about. I didn't know what to expect. And it was awesome. So great. What, what a really cool movie that in. It's called La Cucaracha. And for those of you who don't speak Spanish, <laughs> that's the cockroach. So anyway, uh, my wife says, you have a meeting tomorrow with these two film student graduates. <laughs> Over what? over this script. She hands me a 70-page script. I read it the next half an hour over dinner. I'm reading It's really good. I mean, it's really good. It's not good. It's really, really good. And it's a character I can't wait to play. Okay, I can't wait to meet these guys. These guys show up. This writer is very nervous. He's like, one of these kind of guys, and he has trouble crossing his legs, you know? And I'm like, wow, this is really weird. And the, and the director walks in. He's a really pretty, kind of half-Latin-looking dude. And he's He's, he's a real thin, he's got long hair, and he's the kind of guy, totally androgynous, you know, he's like, wow, this is the artist of all time, you know. He like, he like walks in, and, and um, they, they, uh, they want to play this part of this guy who wants to become the next Ernest Hemingway. So he cashes in his whole life for money, and he goes down to Mexico, and he's got like 10,000 bucks. And his first day in Mexico, he gets beat up and robbed, so he has nothing. And he, he has to live like a bum. And he, and he eats off the graciousness of a restaurant and their leftovers every night, blah, blah, blah. 
and he's approached one day by a man who wants him to do a hit, who wants him to, a, to a murder somebody for him. He's like, sure, I can do that. <laughs> you don't know anything about killing people? Yeah, I can do that. No sweat. Anyway, it's about that story. And it's a black comedy, if you can believe it. And uh, that, that, was Jack, that was Jack Perez. And we fell in love. And now Jack is the head of what? What does Jack run now? Some kind of, some kind of film institute? He does, he does, yeah. He teaches now. You know, he was nice enough to talk to us, not just about La Cucaracha, but his entire career. He made a film a couple years ago called Some Guy Who Kills People, which is Jack amazing. is an amazing filmmaker and ought to be really famous. And if we had a studio system anymore, he would be a huge star. He's got some projects in the work that works that sound very interesting. He's also an animal lover like yourself. Brilliant, brilliant guy. There's a scene in that movie, we had a little clip there, where you... I eat a cockroach. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you guys how it was done. It's really cool. Okay, we had real water bugs. Now, they're like an inch long and a half inch wide. They're a lot of, a lot of bug, okay? So we had this scene, and we have cockroach wranglers. True story. They have straws, and they blow straws, and they, and they herd the cockroaches with the air in the straw, and they herd the cockroach so they can have it go where they want it to go. Well, I'm in a hospital bed, and I have this cockroach on the bedside table. And he goes on the bedside table, in the bed of my arm, across my face, into my mouth. Bang. Cool, huh? Hard to do. <laughs> no, really tricky. Anyway, so they had this girl, this cute little girl. She's like 25 years old, blonde, skinny, sweet. And she, uh, she has a whole bottle of cockroaches. And she, and she herds them. Anyway, so uh, it goes up to, up to my mouth and cut. Well, I do this, and she takes cut. And they put a piece of candy there. That I, okay, action! And they eat the candy. And they cut it all together. It's like I ate the roach. We, we talked with Jack about it. He was just talking about like, having to get that specific edit point just to make sure. Oh, man. Because it's revolting to watch. I love it. I love it so much, but it's really quite something. It really upsets my wife. <laughs> <laughs> she gets upset. You want to speak up? Yeah. Um, one of the films that you've done recently that seems to have gained a lot of traction, and it's one that we saw and were just blown away by, is Stalked by My Doctor. Any fans of Stalk by My Doctor here? Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to ask uh, first about getting involved with that project and with, you know, Lifetime specifically, and what the experience was of filming that, especially our favorite scene of that particular movie, the American Girl doll. I love that American Girl doll scene. I love the scene where you're yelling at that woman and saying that you're going to unfriend her. That, to me, is... When I see that, I think, I'm so glad that I have an Eric Roberts podcast so I can watch something like this and tell the world about how amazing it is. But yeah, how did you get involved with Stocked by My Doctor? Lifetime is a home for me. I do stuff for them and it goes to the roof there. They love me there. So I can work there whenever I want. Okay. There's a guy who writes these movies called Stalked By. <laughs> stalked by this, stalked by that, stalked by... Now, they're really cheesy titles, so they turn you off. Stalked by my neighbor, stalked by my mother, stalked by my mother-in-law, stalked by my doctor. It's like, I'm not going to watch that, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of embarrassing to even hear stalked by what? Oh, I don't want to watch that. So, so, so the script sat on my desk for a long time because I kept going through the scripts, had to read and stop by my doctor. So I finally had to read it. So I read it. It's really good. This guy wrote a really good script. The character's rich and pure and weird, and, and it's a really good story. So I do it. We shoot it, and it goes to the roof on Lifetime. For Lifetime, it gets like, you know, 200,000 viewers on a thing, you know, and this got like, like, like 14 million viewers. I mean, it, it went to the roof. So we're making a part two. Okay, we do that. It doubles through the roof. Gets huge rating. Oh my God, we had to make a series of this. I'm not gonna play this as a series, guys. <laughs> okay, so part three. So we make part three. Part three is even better than parts one and two. Now, and this is hard to believe. They've scheduled a part four. What? what? And I made a suggestion. Well, if we're gonna go through part four, let's make a series. I'll start in Portland and I'll go to Miami <laughs> Abusing women all the way. <laughs> is this a, wait, is this an Eric Roberts is the fucking man exclusive? Does anyone yes, know about this? Exclusive. You know what? It is. Oh. <laughs> what could be better? What could be better? But we have not shot part four, but uh, this incredible what's Doug's name? What's his last name? 
Doug Tilly. His name that's is me. That's I'm Doug. Doug Tilly. No, no, no. The uh, the writer director of the of Stalked oh. by Movies. Boy, boy, that's certainly something that someone who has an Eric Roberts podcast should know. Liam. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you should know. You know this guy really should have. This guy's a fantastic talent. He's a fantastic guy. Can write his ass off, and uh, he writes the Stalked by Movies. But it is a cheesy title. It's hard to get by the title. Mm. It's mm. hard to get by that title. Stalked by my doctor. It's hard to get by. Like, how over-the-top did they want you to be? I mean, I've seen a few of these stocked movies, and, you know, they play it, I wouldn't say straight, but fairly straight, but you go into the stratosphere in some of these scenes. Back off me, dude. Hey, I'm... I've been waiting Wait a for this moment. <laughs> Why, what, the, the Into the Stratosphere means we loved it. Like, there's no... That's I'm not a criticism. Kidding, I know, I know. <laughs> but was, uh, was there ever any suggestion to tone it down, or was it like, you take this as far as you want to take it? Both. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone here a fan of Doctor Who? Wow, nobody? Wow. Well, this is the next, only audience. Next, next question. Next, no. <laughs> we could do it. I'm sorry. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. Eric, back in the mid-90s, you were in, an, uh, in a uh, Doctor Who television movie that was sort of meant to relaunch the franchise. Uh, and since then, um, I think I get asked more about Doctor Who and that Doctor Who TV movie than anything else. To, for some people, you were sort of maligned at the time, I guess, because you were an American actor who was uh, doing a role that's so connected with the UK. But uh, since then, it seems like the reputation of that has sort of grown. Do you get asked a lot about it? I know you do a lot of Doctor Who conventions. And were you aware of the fandom before you did that role? I went to school in London. And, and I got hip to Doctor Who then. So I knew Doctor Who was, even though most Americans before this didn't know who, 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 what, what the show was. Anyway. They, they approached me and I said, no. And they said, why are you turning it down? Because it's so huge internationally. Why would you say no to that? I said, because it's campy. And when I have campy, spooky things or campy bad guys, I don't believe them. I said, and I like, I, I, my whole, whole joy of playing you know, boogers is scaring the crap out of people. And I, it's, not, it's not spooky. I don't want to do it. They said, well, what can we do to get you to do it? I said, you can let me play it real. And they said, what does that mean? I said, that's a runny nose, it's like watery eyes, it's like gross. It's like, oh my God, this guy, I can't watch this guy. That's how I want to play it, because I, I, I know the part. And they said, go, you can do that. So I did, and that's why I did the part. And I love my portrayal of that guy, with his, with his runny nose and his glassy eyes. Uh, Paul McGann, who played the doctor. Paul McGann's the coolest cat on the planet. I mean, planet. He's, such, he's an amazing actor. Have you ever seen With Nail and I, of course? He's, he's just a terrific, terrific actor. Oh, yeah, clap it up for Paul McGann. How about Paul McGann? <laughs> <laughs> Woo! They've, uh, they've brought him back in recent years to do a little more work on uh, the series and doing some recordings. Have they ever approached you about uh, bringing back your version of The Master? They have not, but I'm standing by. Standing yes. by? Well, I mean, we, we can start a, uh, a petition right now, I think. As right? well you should. <laughs> yes. I think um, one of the things that is kind of a joy to cover um, on the show is some of your music video work and some of the things you've appeared in. And one of the ones I have to ask you about is Bitch Better Have My Money. Let me, let me give the history of why I'm in those to start with. That would be great. This okay. I want to hear. Okay. I, 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 I was a video-watching fan, but to be in them was of no interest in me because I don't like how they make videos because I think it ought to be a like story of the song because that's why you'd have the video to show you what the song is about, you know, or what, or what the writer, you know, was talking about. I thought, I don't know, I'm old. So I get a call from the killers and they want me to, what's it called? Uh, Mr. Mr. Brightside. Brightside. They want me to do their video with, uh, what's that cool director's name? Um, Sophie von Mueller. And so they uh, asked me to come do it, and my knee-jerk response was no. Oh, all my kids call me. My stepkids, my daughter, they all call me. What the F are you doing turning that down? <laughs> I said, well, what do you mean? I, I don't do videos. I'm Eric Roberts. So, <laughs> and they're like, no, dad, 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 you idiot. It's killers, it's killers, it's killers, they're it. They're go, 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 do that video. Okay, calm down. I'll do the video. So I call him back. Will you, will you, will you, will you take me back? 
I changed my mind. <laughs> and they're like, what's wrong with you, dude? I'm like, no, you know, my kids told me to do your videos. So Sophie Von Mueller calls me, and she tells me what I'll be playing and how I'm doing it, blah, blah. And they uh, they uh, sent me the breakdown of it. I had so much fun on that set. It was so much fun to make, and the video is so good. And um, I'm asked a lot what I play in that. Well, what are you really in that? <laughs> yeah. Are you asking? Yeah, I want to hear this. What later. are you really yeah, in you there? Uh, no, I'm not actually that curious. Okay. <laughs> that was good. I've decided, I have not been told this, don't get me wrong, I've decided I'm a pimp. Oh, oh yeah. I'm a pimp. You just putting that together there, Liam? Yeah, I actually am. <laughs> well, look how I treat her. I'm a pimp. They actually made a sequel to that video. You don't usually see a lot of videos. Oh, the sequel to that video was really hard because I was in Germany making a, well, no, I was in Qatar. I was in Qatar. Because it's being recorded, I can't tell the truth. This isn't being recorded. Oh, it's not? No. We just pretend. Mm -hmm. Liar. Oh. <laughs> okay, it's being recorded. I can't tell the truth. The truth is dark. Oh. Oh. But uh, what was I saying? What was I talking about? We were talking about the sequel. The sequel to the uh, Killers. But I'm in Qatar, and they're not letting me go. To go, I mean, I only got to move on for three days. I got to travel day, shoot, travel day, because it's on the other side of the universe, Qatar, you know. So, so and they won't let me go. Well, not let me go. But they'll let me shoot it there. Whoa. But I'm alone here. <laughs> we have a crew and a cast, musicians and director and producer and cameras 8,000 miles away. How's that work? We're going to shoot my part separate, and they're going to intercut it. It's all my wife's idea of trying to make everybody happy. My wife's going to make everybody happy. <laughs> sure. My wife is a mortal saint, like I told you. She makes everybody happy on every deal we do, much to my chagrin, all but me. But, but, you know, but she makes everybody happy. And uh, so I go shoot this thing where I'm like standing up on a ladder doing this kind of thing. And turn by and cut. Okay, good. Okay, now do the other part. Okay, and... Cut. Okay. And now do the thing. Okay. And bring it back. Okay, Eric, do it right. I'm oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Cut. Okay, good. Okay, we're wrapped. That's how I did it. Yeah, really chilly. It was so stupid. But it worked so great. This all started with a question, though, about bitch better have my money. And I would love to know about the experience of making that video. So because of the killer's video, it went number one. Then Mariah Carey comes. We do my video. I do her video. It goes number one. We do my next video. I do that for her too. It goes number one. Then everybody, then, then, bitch, give me back my money. And, uh, so, and they all go number one. I'm the video king. Yes. <laughs> and my kids all get their credit. Yeah, we told him. We told him. <laughs> I mean, it, it, yeah, if you've ever seen the Smack That video by Akon, of course. Akon is so there. cool. <laughs> Akon is who you think he should be. Yeah. Whoa. It's cool. I mean, we've done, uh, we did an episode where we just covered Eric Roberts' music videos. Yeah, the king is right here next to me. This is, oh, by the way, this is incredibly surreal, everything that's happening right now. I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if you guys noticed. Uh, we're talking to Eric Roberts on the Eric Roberts Is the Fucking Man podcast. Yeah, it's insane. Just wanted to take a moment just to acknowledge that that's what's happening right now. Liam, you have a question about a movie that we covered on the show, and we don't know if you're going to have any memories of this movie. So, um, as I said, there's, we have lots of amazing experiences, whether it's Struck by My Doctor, La Cucaracha, where we see things and we didn't know what they were, and it's unbelievable. And then there's a little movie called Dark Moon Rising. Called what? Dark Moon Rising. <laughs> That was also amazing for maybe completely different reasons. And I had to ask you about the experience of making that film. Too broad a question. Oh, I had to ask you <laughs> um, about your character in that movie. I had to ask you. <laughs> what was that character's name, by the way, Liam? <laughs> I don't even remember. What was the character's name? I don't know. For anyone who hasn't seen... Yeah, I guess. I'm sorry. Who's 
that memory. If anyone hasn't seen Dark Moon Rising, which is every single person that isn't Liam and myself, uh, it's a it's a werewolf movie. Look, we're not trying to be mean to, towards it. We watched it, so we have an opinion. It's a, it's a werewolf movie, very much in the style of Twilight. A lot of young people turning into werewolves. I have a very specific question. To me. To Eric. Why are you looking at me then? Well, I would because I was I, I was about Run to interrupt to you. First and I'll, I'll see if was Billy play. Blanks on set for the film? He was. Now, what happened with that? He is credited in the movie, but he's not in the movie. He's on the poster. I have not seen the movie. <laughs> I was just in the movie. So I can't answer that question, honestly. But he was there on the set. And he's a cool cat. Oh, yes, he's, he's, like, he's like me. He, he, doesn't, he, he doesn't act like something he's not. Eric, you work with a lot of young and, let's say, inexperienced directors. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we uh, we had actually had a, a few of them on the show for a short film that you made called Dead Saturday, uh, Jeremy Burgess. Oh, God, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're really nice guys. Uh, they're actually become close friends. Um, but when you work with directors who haven't had a lot of experience, how do you resist the urge to kind of say, well, you really should be doing things this way. This would make things a lot better. I mean, is there? A, do you have to kind of resist that urge? I have a daughter. My daughter's named Emma Roberts. You know, you know, you know, she's a movie star. Yeah. You learn by having a daughter to mind your own business. <laughs> and that's the long and short of it. <laughs> have, you, have, you, um, have you had an experience with uh, one of these young directors where it was a total surprise in the most positive sense. I mean, if you want to shit on someone, that's fine too. But I, I'm more thinking, you know, who is there someone you showed up on set, you didn't know what to expect, and you were blown away by how great they were? Jack Perez. Oh, uh, sure, that, of course. That was that experience. And, and those only happen, that kind of experience has happened to me probably half a dozen times in my career, because I've made so many freaking movies. <laughs> but but uh, Jack Perez, one of those special times where this kid shows up looking like an androgynous weirdo, and he's this brilliant guy, and, and, and he's this brilliant director, and he's a brilliant person, and uh, I love him. Eric, you've done some reality television. Uh, you did Celebrity Wife Swap. Uh, you've recently were on uh, My Cat from Hell uh, with Jackson Galaxy. Some big ja Jackson Galaxy fans in the audience here. Okay, this is a real story. Finish the question. No, Sorry. please. I, I want to hear the story and then I'll, I'll introduce This is a real story. You know, reality TV is a spooky, big, ugly monster, as we all know and watch and laugh at and make fun of and tell our friends about and talk over the water cooler, blah, blah, blah. Okay. I'm never going to do that. I'm an actor. I'm Eric Roberts. <laughs> I'm never doing that. Okay, I come home from gym one morning and I walk into my wife's office and she's busy working. I'm like, Hey, baby. She goes, oh, I got some news for you. And she, she, she's on her. You, have you ever, 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 ever seen her a desk on reality TV? She has this <laughs> bike desk and a computer, and she's always, and she's a great picture. But, you know, and she, this is how she gets it, I guess. Anyway, so, so she's working. I come in there from the gym. She goes, oh, um, celebrity rehab called. They want to know if you have a drug problem. <laughs> <laughs> Now, as we all know or not, I'm a severe pothead. Okay. And uh, I happen to, to, have, to have just gotten out of the car, having just smoked a joint. And I'm like, ah, this is so funny. I'm not doing that crap. And she goes, anyway, you're doing the show. Why? I smoke a little dope, but why? Because of their audience. Hmm, this is a business talk. She goes, yeah, they have a young audience. You have an old audience. Your audience is your age. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> your audience is your age. You need a young audience. I want you to do the show. So I'm going to go on celebrity at the South Smoking Pot. She goes, yes. She's the boss. <laughs> okay. So I did the show. To make a long story short, after that show, then everybody wanted me on their reality show because that show went through the roof because I called, who was the girl I called the, the uh, C word? Oh, was right. Janice, Janice Dickinson on that? Janice Dickinson. She's yeah, so, I forgot she's about so that. She's so mean to everybody. 
Oh, I got to tell you this part of the story too. Oh, you're gonna love this. So, so we have. So I'm on the show, and you're and you're and you're there for a total of 20 days, 18 days in rehab, but 20 days. About the sixth or seventh day, they call my wife. <laughs> They're telling on me. You know. <laughs> call my wife. They say he's not emotional. He doesn't uh, socialize. He doesn't talk. He doesn't you know ever ever raise his hand in any of the meetings. He never addresses anybody. Everybody has cried three or four times. You had breakdowns. All but your husband. Your husband yawns a lot. <laughs> We're going to send him home if he doesn't get involved. Oh, no. So I get an emergency phone call. I don't expect an emergency. I'm in slippery Calling me an emergency phone call. What? Your wife's on the phone. It's an emergency. What? Who died? What's up, baby? Honey, you've got to cry. <laughs> So she says, what? You've got to find a place that looks real that you cry on the show for them. Or they're going to send you home. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> you are kidding. She says, no, no, really, honey, all bullshit aside, you've got to find a place they really believe where you break down, you fall apart. <laughs> okay, I can do that. So the next day, I'm meeting with Dr. Drew, a one-on-one, -on -one, they call it. You're one-on-one -on -one with the doctor. Okay, cool. So I think, okay. But I realize I'm an actress, you know. I'm going to mess this up because, you know, I'm going to have to have an emotional recall and get all into it, and it's going to look like, and it's going to look funny. It's going to look like shit, and I'm so, so afraid of it, you know, because when actors cry, I rarely believe it, you know, and I want to be believed. I got to be believed or else it's going gonna, it's gonna to embarrass me, which is all I care about, right? So, so I'm on the way to his office, and I'm thinking, it's a long walk. It's a whole facility. It's about a half-acre walk, and I'm thinking, what would really just rip my heart out? Of, what would kill me? What? Because I don't, I'm not in an emotional state. Where am I going with this? Blah, blah. And I'm on the way to his office. I got to cry. I got to cry. I got to cry. What's going to get me? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And suddenly I realized, what if I walked into his office and he says, Eric, have a seat. I called you in here because your wife was killed last night in an automobile accident. And I had to be the one to tell you today before you get home. Blah, blah. So I get that man, and it's getting stronger, it's getting stronger, it's getting stronger, it's getting stronger, it's getting, and I got it right under the surface. And he says, Eric, how do you feel today? <laughs> <laughs> I cried, sobbed like that for maybe two full minutes. <laughs> I'm falling apart. It's real, man. I really got a hold of it, you know. I really, yeah. Woo! That, that was better than I could have uh, <laughs> hoped for. That's unbelievable. But, but oh, yeah, and then there's that. And then, and then after that, okay, that was great. But you don't intermingle with the others enough. You don't have any conflict. All these people are problems. I mean, me included, okay? I'm not special. But they, they, they're, they're like you're coming off heroin or... Or what's that awful, you know, barbiturate that everybody's taking now? You would know this, Liam, for oh, sure. Oh, yeah, I, uh, Oxycontin. Oxycontin, all this bad, hard stuff to get over, you know. Me, marijuana, I'm fine, I have a headache, I'm okay, you know. <laughs> it's, it's all good, you know. Anyway, uh, uh, so I have to have conflict. Okay, every day, Jennifer, what's her name? Who's, oh, who's the, the girl? Who, Janice Dickinson? Janice Dickinson. <laughs> Every day, she's on somebody's ass about something, about their behavior or their clothes or their attitude or what they said. Or she's always on somebody's ass. I listen to this all the time. I'm like, God, what a, what a, what a B word, you know? Anyway, she, uh, she then gets on, off on this girl who's really sweet, starts to yell at her, blah, blah, blah. And I say where she can hear me, what a C word. Man, did she have a... Fit. So I have my conflict. So, so I got to stay on the show because I sob and I use the C word. It's hard, hard one, hard one. But that was celebrity rehab. But I was a big hit on that show. If you can believe it, I got tons of fan mail for that show. Hope you feel better. Hope you get well. Oh, it's so sad. It's so unfair. Ladies and gentlemen, this was episode number sixty-two of Eric Roberts is the fucking man with. The fucking man himself. But before we finish up, Eric, we need to ask you. By the way. Yes, please. Eight is my lucky number. Six and two. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that was by design, obviously. Yeah, we knew that. Eric, longtime listeners of the show know that we, uh, Liam and myself, made a blood oath to uh, cover the work and career of actor Eric Roberts. That's you, by the way. Um, and we need to end here by asking you, will you relieve us of our blood oath? Do we have to continue Eric Roberts is the fucking man for the foreseeable future? You do. <laughs> I really thought we were getting out of that blood oath. I thought I had to, I was like, here we go. Here's the thing. If you don't, and I die, you will pay. Oh. That was Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Please follow us at Eric Roberts, E-R-I-T-F-M on Twitter, or go to ericrobertsistheman.com. And of course, follow Eric Roberts himself on Twitter at Eric Roberts. Thank you all so very much. Thank you, Eric, for taking the time to answer our ridiculous questions. Woo! Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything that you can do, Eric Roberts is the fucking man.